Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, you've heard the highlights of the new stimulus package, but you know us. We like to dig a little deeper and tell you what's really in there and how it affects you and how it could affect your retirement. You're listening to Simply Money tonight. I'm Amy Wagner, along with Steve Sprovac. You know, Steve, there's a lot of headlines about checks and stimulus checks and, you know, the loans to small businesses and things like that. But we we dig deeper uh, and we're looking at some of the other ways that maybe aren't making headlines that this, this stimulus package could have a major impact. Yeah. And, and it, you know, I've had a problem with, with this bill. Uh, it's not that I don't like some some help. For the, for the people that are most affected by the pandemic. But when you look at $1.9 trillion being spent, um, a fraction of it's going towards COVID-19. Uh, you don't like the pork. Let's, let's call I, I, yeah, it what that's, it is. That's the bottom line, yeah. And, yeah. and, and you know, let's take, let's take a look at some of the things that aren't necessarily being talked about by, by the media. There, there are some other aspects of the bill that you might say, huh, this is in that bill, huh? How about that? Well, in one of those that could, I think, affect a lot of people, especially those who lost their job during this time, has to do with health insurance. And we know that if you've lost your job, that is one of the most stressful things that you can deal with. And because of this bill, it's going to provide more health insurance subsidies uh, for kind of middle income Americans to buy health insurance on the marketplace. Uh, And here's an example, Uh, a 64 year old earning about $60,000 a year, right? Who would have previously paid about 1100 bucks for health insurance because of this plan and those substance subsidies, it's going to go down to about 415 bucks a month. Like that's That's a big deal. Yeah. And, and, And I'm okay with that. A lot of people don't realize that when when you go to the exchanges otherwise known as obamacare it doesn't take much uh income before you it costs you a boatload I, i'll give you an example my my sister um widowed has some health issues uh she had to go on the exchanges a, a couple of years ago and she was paying she wasn't paying 1100 but it was around 800 dollars a month just for her and she didn't she didn't have it um it, it's it's it can be an incredibly expensive insurance, uh, and you know, sixty thousand dollars of earnings is not a ton of money uh, to be making. So if you're if you're shelling out eleven hundred dollars a month for health insurance and and making not bringing home making sixty thousand, that can be a killer. I mean, literally. So this is uh, I'm okay. Let, let's let's kick in the subsidies if we're gonna have Obamacare, and it looks like we are. Uh, let's let's go ahead and reduce it to something a little bit more reasonable. Yeah, and almost 15 million Americans have have lost access to an employer-sponsored health insurance plan as of last October. Yeah, a lot of people. Um, So there's a lot of people that it looks like this can benefit. Um, The provisions of this bill are going to last two years, and and there's opposition on really both sides of the aisle here from both Republicans and— Well, for different reasons. (laughs) Of course, right? (laughs) Yeah. 
It's funny. I was actually like <laughs> listening to um, a speaker over the weekend talking about how two people can look at exactly the same thing and yeah. see it from such opposing sides. Uh-huh. Do you remember that? And, and you're not on social media, so you might not remember this, but there was this big uh, social media thing a few years ago about this dress that was online. And some people looked at it and said, it looks like it's blue I and black. That. And some people look at it and say it's white and gold. I think politics is <laughs> so yeah. boils down to the same thing. Like two sides looking at one thing and yet you're seeing two completely different things. So yeah. when it comes to this bill, um, Republicans are saying this is like more waste, an expansion of something. They've We've never hated. liked Obamacare. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. We so why, why are you expanding? It? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then there's liberal Democrats on the other side saying we, we need to do more. We need to spend more money. We want an entire public option or Medicare for all. So, well, yeah, you know, liberals want Medicare for all. They want a single yes. payer system and be done with it. And they're not going to be happy until they get that. So, yeah, there's not a lot of agreement on this, but, you know, if you're making less than 60000 it's good that the price of your health insurance is a little bit more reasonable. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about the child yeah. tax credit. This is a popular thing for parents because it makes a pretty big difference. Uh, it's expensive to have kids, as you uh, know, and I amen. know. Exactly. And, and yeah. you know, first of all, let's talk about what a tax credit is. A lot of people don't don't realize that a tax credit is actually money you don't have to pay after you calculate how much you owe in tax. Not a deduction. A deduction is just bringing down your taxable income. A tax credit is, oh, I, I owe $10,000, but I've got a tax credit of $2,000. Now I only owe $8,000. That's tax a good credits, thing. Tax credits are where the money is. Right? Yeah, like That's yeah. what you really want. And with this bill, it raises the child tax credit from 2000 bucks to 3000 bucks for kids ages 6 to 17, 3600 for kids under the age of 6. Uh, and, of course, this is phased out for individuals making more than 95000 yeah, a year. people that need to get it. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, but, so have 5, 6, 10 kids, and you start, uh, you start getting paid money. This is, and and this I don't know this yet, and I don't know if you've seen it, but if you've got three, four kids, yeah. uh, whether this is phased out or not, I know that happened in the past, but I, I haven't seen that yet for this bill. So that's something I, that we'll have to I haven't to either, and a good friend of mine has six kids, and it's expensive, and, yes. and I could see this really helping people like that. No question. You're listening to Simply Money tonight here on 55KRC. The stimulus package, the stimulus bill, we are going past the headlines, digging deeper into what it really means for you. And if you have a pension... Yeah, let's get on to my favorite subject. Uh, ears perk up now oh, because goodness. this could impact you. Yeah, let's bail out the pensions that that have been underfunded for years because of their own stupidity. I, I, this this drives me nuts. I mean, yeah. th- this bill includes $86 billion. That's a lot of money. $86 billion as a bailout for multi-employer pensions. Let's talk and, about what those are. Well, yeah, a, multi, a multi-employer pension is generally small companies that, okay, we don't have that. We want to offer a pension to our employees, but we don't have enough money. They're expensive to set up. So we're going to team up with another similar company of about the same size and a couple of others, and we're going to split the cost. And this way we can all offer pensions to our employees and we we share the cost. Great concept on paper, right? Yes. Yeah. So, So Ohio's Democratic Senator Sherrod Brown fought to include this 80, I can't overemphasize, $86 billion uh, bailout. And it is a bailout. It's a grant. These are not loans for some of these multi-employer pensions that that, that are in trouble. Give, give you a great example, Amy. Teamsters Central States Plan. It's running a $20 billion deficit. What, what does that mean? 
that means that they didn't pay enough money into it for the the, the promises they made to their members. I don't blame the members. I, I mean, you're you're told, hey, work here, and this is your pension. And right. you say, thank you. Okay. You can't change the structure of it. No. You can't change but what kind of assumptions they're making about no. what returns they're going to get. Things, that's the problem is the assumptions. These things have been underfunded for years because they assume 7 8% returns, which they're never going to get, and that allows them to put less money in. And guess what? They go broke at some point. This pension plan, the Teamster Central States plan, is going to be broke by 2025, at which point they're going to pay $0.25 cents on the dollar to, to the, the pensioners. To, to the old people that are depending on this money. So I get it. It's not fair that they should have their pensions reduced. But this is this is the same as if your kid racks up credit card debt and, and you just say, hey, don't do that anymore. I paid your bill last month. Okay, are they going to stop? Right. No, nothing is, nothing is them, structurally fixing this. Is giving the money going to fundamentally change anything about how they're doing business, right? And exactly. I think that's the question that a lot of people have right now. Talking yeah. about the two different sides of this pension coin, you've got Senator Brown from here in Ohio mm-hmm. saying, listen, it goes back to the fact that these workers, they didn't do anything and wrong. They've that. earned their that. pensions. Yep. I, we, I think we can all agree with that. Republicans, though, say this is kind of a handout to the union. Yep. And they point out there's more money in this bailouts um, of union pensions than all the money combined for vaccine distribution and yep. testing. Uh, I mean, uh, here's my question. What's this got to do with COVID-19? Yeah. It's part of the COVID-19 bill. If you want to fix this, make it a separate bill and go through the process of, of passing legislation. They stuck it in there, and it's it's probably going to get through because we yeah. do need the stimulus. Well, and so as we dig a little deeper into this, right, there's some political favors. There's some pork. There's some earmarks. There's however you want to call it. 200 million bucks also to the Institute of Museum Mm -hmm. and Library Services, 270 million to the National Endowment for the Arts. We're not saying that these aren't great organizations, but this is a bill to help people who are struggling. Exactly. During this pandemic and you you look at this in National Endowment for the Arts, their budget in 2019 was 253 million. They were just handed 270 sure, million more than heck? their entire budget. What the heck? It's government money. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you and, know, and so, what I wonder is why, why don't we get political favors that really mean something like uh, the Brent Spence Bridge? You um, think that's a major artery that's falling apart? I got to tell you, like, it's like, okay, if if we know this is the system and this is a system everyone has to play in and there are going to be political favors out there, can we please, please get some for this area? I live in northern Kentucky. I cross the bridge every time I work. Please. It's going to fall into the river at some point. Like, please. (laughs) It's not funny. No, I mean, truly, like, can we get some money? It's a major artery for the entire country. It's I-75. And and you and I could probably sit here. We could do an entirely separate show on all the infrastructure needs yep. that we have just here in the tri-state. Nobody so, would listen, but we no, could do but, it. <laughs> yeah, but we would rant, and, and yeah. maybe we would feel better at the end. Yeah. Maybe nobody else would. But but this is this is why we like to dig deeper into these I, packages. You know, exactly. we're we're not red, we're not blue. We're simply looking at the green of it. There are some good things I think that will come out of it for a mm-hmm. lot of Americans, and some things we think you should know about uh, that maybe aren't so good, or you may not agree with in the long term. Here's a simply money point. This stimulus, it will help the economy. But anytime politicians are going to spend, let's face it, trillions of dollars, you're going to expect that some will get some favors out of your tax dollars. So why are spectators paying millions of dollars for collectibles that you can only see online? 
I had never heard of this before, and I pray that my son never does. That's ahead in three minutes. You're listening to Simply Money here on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money. I'm Amy Wagner along with Steve Sprovac. Can you imagine living to be 100 years old? Turns out there's a growing number of Americans that are hitting the century mark. What did they do in order to get there? What can you do to maybe live that long as well? We're going to look at that ahead at 643. I love stupid human financial tricks. There are so many of them out there. Oh, and be careful and how you say this one. Oh, well, Be this careful. Week, <laughs> it's true. NFTs, non-fungible There you go. tokens. <laughs> What the heck are we talking about you here, know, Steve? I, I, you know, I, I pride myself in staying up on everything financial. I never heard of these until this morning. And after researching, I'm still not sure I know exactly <laughs> why these things exist. But let, let me explain. Non-fungible tokens. Fungible means you can exchange it. You get a bar of gold, you can exchange it for another bar of gold. You have a $20 bill, you can exchange it for two tens. Non-fungible means this is a one-off deal. I'll give you the best example I can think of, Amy. I don't know if you remember, they used to have the Disney store in, in the mall. Yeah. And you could actually buy a, a an artist's cell, the actual artwork that was done for the Roadrunner. Um, I had one from did The you? Little Mermaid. Of course I did. Oh, that's so I sweet. What anyway. that. <laughs> so, but truly, so so, but, so what these are? These have to do the with kind of version. cryptocurrency yeah. in the fact that there's some kind of blockchain. They each so you get them, and yeah. here's an example of one of the, the coolest ones or the most popular ones. One that sold for two hundred thousand dollars is a clip of LeBron James dunking. Right. Only for the collectible, you you can't print it out. You can't. It, it's only online. You you can't trademark the video. You can't receive anything that's physical right. from it. Uh, I don't get it. They say that owning a code in a blockchain uh, has shown itself to be an incredibly valuable thing. Yeah. My son loves the NBA. We have all the jerseys, right? We we love the Nets. Um, mm-hmm. But I, you know, I can't imagine spending thousands. Well, I would never spend thousands Not of dollars. Thousands. Tens and hundreds yeah. of thousands. Yeah, uh, of Kyrie dunking. Like, no, yeah. we're not. We're yeah. not doing it. So, uh, cool, interesting. Uh, we're going to keep our eye on this. I, one. Yeah, I think that's you the know, best and, we can say. And again, I, I, I don't get it because you can go out there and download a picture of Kyrie dunking. Yeah. Okay, so the only thing special about this is it's one of a kind, and nobody else can have your specific picture. Unless they happen to go and download a copy of it that looks identical. I and don't, you can't tell. I don't, I don't I, get I the uniqueness. There I are don't. copies that exist out there, too. So if my son ever asked for one of yeah. these, I'm just going to, yeah. like, find something on YouTube and say, here you go, kid. <laughs> yeah. well, <laughs> here you I go, mean, try. Some of these things are crazy expensive. There, there, there's a, a company out there called CryptoPunks. They make pixelated avatars. Tell me I'm not talking a different language. Yeah, pixelated avatars. These things are, are I've seen a couple of them. Uh, the pictures are, are just, they're, they're like an 8-bit uh, Nintendo picture, and they're going for $900,000 each to somebody. I'm yeah. not buying them, but no. somebody out there is. If you are, find us. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I'm on <laughs> Explain to me yeah. what you're thinking. I want to know. Speaking of these stupid human financial tricks, too, mm-hmm. uh, you know, your kids, right? The 18 to 35, they're still your kids. They're still your babies. Uh, they're probably going to get a $1,400 stimulus check. Question is, 
What are they going to do with it? Well, and, and this drives me a little bit nuts, but it doesn't surprise me because I've had kids this age also, and they don't always do the smartest thing or what you want them to do. But, hey, Amy, a lot of the people getting these stimulus checks that are in that, you know, 25 to 34-year-old range, half of them, according to Deutsche Bank, half of them are going to just go out and buy stock. Okay, yeah. you know, that's all right if it's not GameStop or something crazy like that. But, you know, that tells me maybe they didn't really need the stimulus money. They're just going to do something with it. And, and you know, is that the smartest thing to do is is bet bet your stimulus check on something that either makes a lot of money or doesn't? Right. Nothing against Deutsche Bank here, but right. I'm going to question this entire survey. Because if you came to me when I was 22 years old mm-hmm. and making – $17,000 a year um, and gave me a $1,400 stimulus check and said, hey, Amy, are you going to use this check to buy stocks? I would say, well, of course I am, because that makes me sound very smart and super responsible. <laughs> and heck no, that's not where that money was yeah, going to go. So yeah. I wonder truly how good these numbers are. Um, you know, we don't know exactly what they, they didn't, we don't know if they said, are you going to buy stock or Which stock what are, are you, you going to do yeah. with this yeah. money, right? Yeah. And so I, I question the survey itself. Yeah. But assuming that it's right, assuming that uh, people really are going to do this, especially kids maybe right out of college, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I think investing and letting that money compound is a fantastic idea. Sure. Uh, but by stocks, do you mean like ETFs? Do you yeah. mean right uh, an index fund that tracks the S and P five hundred? I'm super cool with that part. Yeah, not necessarily yeah. with individual stocks. Yeah, I, I, I mean the smart thing to do. I, I've got two great ideas, but I, I know they're not going to listen because my kids wouldn't have at that age. But um, you know, if you're if you're earning money, if you have a job. Put it into a Roth IRA. I, I mean, that's just a fantastic way for somebody yeah. young to let the money compound and, and should be tax-free on, on the withdrawal when you're retired. It's a it, it, great tool. But, you know, I, I don't know a kid that age that doesn't have credit card debt. So, you know what? You want a guaranteed 17? student 17- loan debt, too, oh, right? No like kidding. swimming in debt at you that point. You want a guaranteed 17% rate of return that's not a scam? Pay off your credit card. Just pay it off. Be done with yes. it. Yeah. yeah. Not exciting, but a great thing to do with a few extra bucks. My concern is during this pandemic, you know, people have gotten bored. There's less to do out there. Mm-hmm. In what we've seen is a rise in people day trading. You've got that Robinhood app out there. Strong stock market. There's, I, I just got online. It was probably about a week ago on, on a really kind of a popular site that, you know, all about money. And what I saw was like, I started looking at it and I'm like, oh my, every single headline was, uh, interest rates up. That's why you should buy these tech stocks, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. That's why you should make this investment in these three things. You're bombarded with these, you know, these ideas of, so because of this, you should buy this. Yeah. Uh, it's not a long-term investment strategy. And I just want to pull my hair out because I think, my goodness, if I had, and listen, I'm not going to pretend like when I was 21 years old, I was maxing out my 401k. I was not. I was not. I learned these lessons later in life. I had to play catch up. But if you can talk to your kids now when this check might be coming in the next few weeks about how they can truly make an impact Mm -hmm. that's going to go far beyond that 1400 bucks, man, to pay off debt, to invest in something long term. These are great ways to make a big difference. They they really are. But, you know, keep in mind. 
I was that age, you were that age, and if yep. you've got a buddy saying, yeah, I played GameStop and stop, and I was smart enough to get out early, I tripled my money, you're you're thinking, huh, I want to triple my money too, and, and you know, that's just being being a youngster. I mean, that's that's part of it, so I, I get it. But you just please, aged yourself when you said youngster. Oh, tell me, I know, I, I've got socks <laughs> older than that, but, 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 you know, just be smart. I, I just love the concept, pay off credit card debt. Yeah, no doubt. And truly, it's fourteen hundred bucks. I'm not even saying if your kid is in pretty good, you know, solid financial shape, four hundred dollars. Go buy something new, right? Whatever. Maybe put Mm -hmm. a little bit of it toward a trip to get out there, and you know, maybe travel with some friends this summer. I'm not saying all, you know, all of it has to be invested, but I think you can make a pretty good impact with this money. And especially if you're in your twenties, this is the time to grow and compound. You're listening to Simply Money here on 55KRC, the talk station. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to Simply Money. I'm Amy Wagner. Okay, so if you're going to get the vaccine, when you get it, what's the first thing you're going to do afterwards? Do you already have it planned? Are you going to travel? Are you going to go out to dinner with friends? Are you going to go buy something? This is an interesting thing I think a lot of people are thinking through tonight. Joining us, Mark Hamrick, Bankrate.com's senior economic analyst, um, with what Bankrate has found that you will likely do once you get that vaccine. Good to be with you, Amy. Thank you. Yeah. How are you? I'm good. This is a great topic. So I actually traveled over the weekend for the first time in a long time. Super quick trip out of CVG here in Cincinnati. Could not find a parking space on Saturday morning. And I said to the lady at the counter, like, what is going on here? And I said, you know, I expected it as soon as people got vaccine. She said, yeah, the 70 plus crew got the vaccine, drove straight to the airport and got on a plane to go somewhere south. <laughs> And I, I think that speaks to maybe what a lot of people are planning. Oh, absolutely. Uh, one of our uh, staffers at Bankrate recently uh, used a phrase in uh, one of our editorial pieces that made me chuckle, uh, revenge spending. And, and I've been sort mm-hmm. of stabbing and grabbing that a little bit because, you know, uh, just speaking for myself and a lot of other people I know, and, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm definitely AARP qualified at this point in my life. Uh, you know, it's just been uh, basically a year of, of uh, staying inside and, and uh, uh, foregoing the things that we previously took for granted. So, you know, the other part is that many of those seniors you referenced there are probably uh, financially well qualified themselves to, to spend some money. Maybe they have saved uh, over the past year uh, that would have otherwise been allocated toward, you know, dining out or travel, visiting grandkids, whatever. So for our bank rate survey, first of all, we wanted to know uh, whether people were predisposed to get the vaccine. And our finding is pretty consistent with what other uh, surveys have found. About 7 out of 10 Americans indicated they were likely to get the vaccine. 30 percent said they would not. Uh, And then we also simply wanted to know whether people would feel comfortable 
basically going to the businesses that we wouldn't have given you know a second thought to before February or March of last year, uh, you know, going back to the mall, going back to the grocery store. And you can lump in, although it wasn't specified in the survey, live sports and entertainment and indeed mm-hmm. uh, hopping on an airplane. And uh, a majority, 76%, said that they would feel comfortable once vaccinated. But interesting, at least to me, is that 24% said they would feel uncomfortable. Now, that doesn't mean they won't do it, mm-hmm. but it probably means that uh, we will have some lingering fear and concern. And, you know, just listening to the CDC uh, uh, briefing today, well, you know, they're expressing concern about these variants, which may be leading to a plateauing of uh, some of the disease uh, reporting uh, statistics that we've been watching for some time, where they're down from the highs, but, you know, the variants uh, do appear to have some tricks up their sleeves, so to speak. You know, I think this is a money show, but it's amazing how different our focus has been over the past year because we've talked so much about vaccines, right? Things that we've never, you know, uh, infection rates and things that never really would would be in our purvey before. We're we're certainly talking about now because there's such a correlation between people getting vaccinated and what we think is the economy reopening and people spending again. But but do you think that based on your research, um, because I think there's a lot of companies and economists uh, who are thinking, looking six to nine months out there, things are going to be doing pretty well. Is that what you see from your survey? Well, yes, but uh, here's, you know, and I, and I think that, the, you know, that is essentially a given uh, at a time when it feels like it's difficult to make assumptions broadly because things do change so rapidly and we live in an era of such rapidly accelerating change across so many different categories. But it's not so much the question of whether the economy improves, but it's the composition of that improvement. So, for example, uh, I've seen uh, survey work or reports in the last 24 to 48 hours talking about, you know, kind of consistent with that one out of four being uncomfortable, saying that people be slower to return, for example, to movie theaters. And obviously, with many of those uh, basically shut down over the course of the year of, of the past year, does that mean that they won't get uh, as much business coming back. And, and we know that, you know, for the most part, anyone who has broadband Internet has learned how to take advantage of, you know, basically uh, newly released um, film content that otherwise would have head, headed to the movie theater. So mm-hmm. uh, there's just all this different way of doing things and thinking about things. And the other one is how long will it take for business travel? to return when you think about, you know, that was essentially the premium or luxury uh, traveler who had money to spend in the past. And and now, you know, you might have to deal with uh, a senior member of your organization to justify that as opposed to, well, why can't you just have another Zoom meeting and and be in the office for seven hours that day? And it's truly, there are some things that I think will change that may never come back. You know, one of the things that we've seen during this time is American savings rate has gone up. But I also think there's a lot of pent-up demand for people who haven't been able to spend on a lot of things. So do you see that savings rate? I think we're at like 20.5% was the last number I saw. Do you see us saying, which is historic high, great for the individual American, not so great for the economy? Do you think we're going to stick around that place? No, because I think, number one, that's forced savings for the most part. Uh, In other words, you know, we know that spending on goods has gotten back to pre-pandemic levels, but spending on services has not. not. And and so I think many Americans will feel 
either uh, the urge to spend or, you know, that's the old proverbial burning a hole in the pocket uh, routine, mm-hmm. uh, although maybe people don't carry as much cash as they used to. Um, and the other part is that, you know, if the current package uh, wins approval of the, of the Senate and or at least something like it and then obviously gets President Biden's signature, it's going to be another $1,400 in stimulus payments going out to households of low or uh, moderate incomes. So, uh, you know, there is going to be probably uh, a fair amount of parting with that cash. And, of course, from a bank rate perspective, um, our survey work in recent months has indicated that Americans were uh, putting at the top of their financial priority list uh, emergency savings, which we applaud. More than half said that. Uh, And and fewer were looking to pay down credit card debt, which I'm guessing is because that credit card debt probably in many cases is lower than it was before. And and we would hope that at least on a, on a month-over-month basis it's non-existent because you don't want to incur that double-digit um, annual percentage rate uh, but um, of interest. But, I mean, I, th- I think we'll probably be somewhere in between. And, and you know, it's just our hope that uh, people will engage in sustainable personal financial practices because, you know, if you spend like there's no tomorrow between, let's say, now and the end of the year, uh, then you're going to run into a problem because you've depleted that savings and there might be no further federal stimulus payments coming. And, and uh, you know, we, we don't want to be among the uh, Americans who have the number one financial regret, as our surveys have found, to the failure to save for emergencies and the failure to save for retirement. I like that. I like saying, okay, you know, there's money that I, I do want to spend, things that I want to do, but I need to make sure that my, my spending is sustainable, uh, right? Because that's just you want to be able to have the same lifestyle now that you do in you know uh, in the future that you do right now in retirement and beyond. So I think looking at sustainable is a great way to put it. Great advice tonight, Mark Hamrick, Bankrate.com's senior economic analyst. You've been listening to Simply Money here on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money. I'm Amy Wagner along with Steve Sprovac. Have you lost control of your schedule? It just seems like there's not enough minutes in the day anymore. You go from Zoom meeting to Zoom meeting. Coming up, how to reclaim your most valuable asset. That's at 653. Could you see yourself living to 100? Turns out hitting that age may not be as crazy or as far-fetched as you might think. No kidding. People are living longer and longer, and that's yeah. that's a good thing. My, my wife volunteers over Twin Lakes uh, Assisted Living, uh, and there's a handful of, of mostly women, the way it works, uh, mm-hmm. over 100 that are just as sharp as can be. I, I mean, before the pandemic, Americans had an average lifespan of, of 79 76 for men, 81 for women. Amy, you guys always outlive us. But according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, uh, centenarians are a steadily growing demographic group, 92,000 of them, more and more every year. Yeah, well, it makes sense, right? Better health care. Uh, and I think we've learned what it takes to live longer. If this is something that you're interested in, you know, the people who I know who live the longest are the ones who do not slow down when they stop working. They stay engaged. Yeah. Yeah. They they have a plan to work out. They yeah. have a social group that they're connected to. They often give back to the community in some way. They still have yeah. that sense of self-worth, whether they're, you know, helping with the bottom line in, in an office or not. Uh, so these are the things that we see as when people are able to do these things, yeah. uh, they often do live much longer. Here's the key, though. 
say you retire at the age of 65, mm-hmm. uh, you live to 100. That's a lot longer that you're going to have to pay uh, in order to, to to have money to live off of. Exactly. And, you know, I, obviously I do a lot of financial planning. And by the way, one, one thing I want to say out there is that living to 100 doesn't start by you changing your attitude at 99. I see people heading into retirement, and I can pretty much tell you who are the, the successful retirees, who are the ones that are going to do better than others. I saw the opposite example with my own dad. He retired at 62, and he had no hobbies. His identity mm-hmm. was his work, and, and he, he just floundered for a number of years before he, he got his feet underneath him, and, and he wound up doing actually pretty darn well and, and living to be a, a good old age. But, um, you know, for a while it was pretty dicey. So you, you've got to get engaged, get out in the community, and, and obviously be healthy. I, I, I You know, I don't, I don't know if I'll go to be 100, but um, I'll be playing baseball as long as I can. I know that. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to be like the 97-year-old catcher. I don't know about that. But You're going to have like funny triple story. knee replacements or something like that, but there, I think you'll still be out there. There is a guy in Dayton that is well-known in the Midwest. His name is Dick Pavlak. He, last summer, 88 years old, still pitching hardball. Still pitching oh, hardball. That. And I'll tell Wait. you what, if you got a hit off of him, he was a little bit ticked. Yeah. (laughs) So these are the people, right? He's still doing something he's passionate about. He's out there getting exercise. I had an eye-opening conversation a few years ago with a doctor. I can't remember why I was interviewing him, but we were talking about genetics Mm -hmm. versus the choices that you make in your life. And and, and I would have thought, listen, my family has a very strong history of breast cancer. I would have thought that, you know, genetics plays the biggest factor in determining how long you live. And certainly in cases like that, it it does. But really 40 to 50% of the time genetics come in more than half of the equation for all of us is the choices that we make uh, as we age. And, you know, having those regular checkups, those regular physicals, figuring out what's going on, uh, you know, staying active, having things to engage in, make a huge difference. And and if this is you and you're doing these things, the next question I would ask you is, okay, then how are you planning the financial aspect of this? And and that gets back to planning. I I, I mean, some people laugh when I tell them, um, you know, I'm going to run your plan out to age nine. 92 for for men and 94 for women. Oh, oh, I'll never make it to that age. Well, what if you do? What if you have the bad luck to actually live and be healthy and and be vibrant at 92, 94? My job is to make sure you still have the money to to live comfortably. I I mean, that's that's what, at least from a financial standpoint, that's the key is you don't want to be dependent on the government or your children or anything else. And, And the costs are getting higher and higher. I mean, an average couple retiring today needs roughly $285,000 for out-of-pocket health expenses. I, I, that's just, you know, let that sink in. That's a ton of money. So you've got to put money away and plan for that in addition to your normal distributions that you're going to take for just living expenses. And here's my advice, and this is based on personal experience. Uh, my grandpa lived to the age of uh, 94. We had a close family friend who lived to the age of 97. Make sure that there's money left for a hearing aid because 
In both cases, they fought hearing aids, not necessarily from the money standpoint, but they had such amazing stories to tell, right? There's the, the life experience that you, but they couldn't hear the conversation very well. Uh, and so you, you want to make sure that if you are going to live to You're that age. You're making fun of me right now. I know you are. I'm not at all. I'm planning for myself here, Steve, because yeah. I, I've got a lot, you know. I'm 44 right now, and I feel like I'm constantly telling my daughter life lessons. She finds them not interesting whatsoever. But maybe by the time I'm almost 100, if I'm blessed enough to live that long, maybe then I will be interesting. She'll want to hear, and I will want to hear her as well. So lots to plan for. Uh, make sure you're living the life right and also planning to be able to support it. Simply Money Point, living longer is great. you got to plan for it. So is your calendar out of control? I feel this way a lot. Getting back your most valuable asset, that's ahead and three minutes. You're listening to Simply Money tonight here on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money. I'm Amy Wagner along with Steve Sprovac. You know, being home more doesn't mean your schedule is necessarily any easier, any better to manage. We want to make sure that you've got some strategies tonight for reclaiming your most valuable asset, your time. And this is going to come from Steve, not me, because this <laughs> this part of the show is directed at me. I, I do horrible with this. You're much better. I'm getting the hang of this. You, you, you know, it's it's. Gonna, I think this is going to be one of the biggest social issues that, that we have to uh, deal with over the next 10, 20 years is disconnecting. I, I yeah. mean, just like, you know, history teaches us about the Industrial Revolution, I think history is going to look back at this period as the information revolution. The digital, and, and yeah. Absolutely. And and people are glued to their phones. It's disappointing when I see families out and, you know, the kids are on their phones, mom and dad mm -hmm. are on their phones and nobody's interacting or anything else. I, You know, I went through this years ago for, for different reasons where I was working three or four nights a week and on Saturdays. And I remember saying, I need, my, my boys were young and, and I need to spend more time at Saturdays. That's family time. I'm sorry. I'm not going to work Saturdays. I thought it was going to be a big issue. No, people understand that, uh, okay, that's your time and you need time to recharge your batteries. And there was no, there was no blowback from me not working Saturdays. And I think then we I, have two issues. I think we have yeah. two issues ahead of us, though, right now. We've got, first of all, the fact that it, we can constantly be texted. We can constantly be FaceTimed, called, emailed uh, from work. And, and, and I, I do. I check my work emails yeah. over the weekend. I checked. I was I was responding to an email at 10 o'clock last night that had to do with work. You don't do that, which is so no, good. No, I, I, I have just learned that nothing good comes out of checking work emails after four <laughs> o'clock on a Friday <laughs> afternoon oh, and until so 9 a.m. on Monday. Now, Maybe I will learn this lesson this year. You know, it's but you know, why do we have to consciously think about this? I, I get the reason. Uh, the the reason why we we're so we become so efficient with our workday that we can juggle and we can multitask and you know emails and texts and everything else. It's hard to shut down. I, I've read a couple of studies where the average person has to pick up their phone. It's some crazy number, like every twelve seconds. Mm -hmm. or, or or else you just feel like you're you're just out of out of touch. Well, you know, uh, go away for a weekend and camp, yeah. and and you'll be in and touch with down. nature instead of instead of work. Well, with people working from home now, the boundaries yeah. I think are blurred even more. So if this 100%. is you and you're struggling with this, look at your calendar for the day. 
the one that's public facing that other people in your office can see and put 15 minutes breaks in there, personal appointment, whatever you put in there that you feel comfortable with and take time for yourself. And this is go for a walk, go outside, do something that kind of fills you up, but take a break. And I'm telling you, schedule it. And and, and Mm -hmm. I go often like, you know, I've got times the day when I'm recording TV times the day when I'm, you know, working on the show. And then beyond that, I've got zoom call after zoom call yeah yeah but you know with with zoom calls you can you can cut them down a little bit instead of back to back make them 25 minutes not 30 and give yourself five minutes just to take a deep breath and 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 just relax yes it's a good thing and sometimes what you can do is just cut something out of your schedule. Maybe you say, you know what, looking at social media the first thing in the morning, it just stresses me out. Mm-hmm. I'm going to block it before 11 o'clock in the morning, right? There's lots of options I think that you have. Here's the key. Be intentional about your time. Carve your time out and protect it. You will be glad you did, and you will be much more productive in the long run. You've been listening to Simply Money tonight here on 55KRC, the talk station. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.